The Story of Mary Jones and Her Bible, Chapter 8, The Work Begun. We have seen that the incident recorded in the last chapter made a deep impression upon the mind and heart of Mr. Charles. The thought of that barefooted child, her weary journey, her eagerness to spend her six years' savings in the purchase of a Bible, then her bitter tears of disappointment and her sweet tears of joy, all these came back to his recollection again and again, came blended with the memory of the ignorance and darkness of too many of his countrymen, and with the cry that was ascending all over wells for the word of God. The girl's story was only an illustration of the terrible sense of spiritual death that prevailed during this famine of Bibles, and none could know so well as this good man, whose influence was from the nature of his work, barely widely diffused how deep a want lay at the root of the people's degradation and impiety against which he seemed, with all his earnest striving to be making such slow progress. What wonder, then, that the question how to secure the publication of sufficient copies of God's word for Wells occupied his mind almost without cessation. In the winter of 1802, Mr. Charles visited London full of his one great thought and purpose, though not as yet seen how it was to be accomplished. It was while revolving the matter in his mind one morning that the idea occurred to him of a society for the diffusion of the scriptures, a society having for its sole object the publication and distribution of God's holy word. Consulting with some of his friends who belonged to the Committee of the Religious Tract Society, he received the warmest sympathy and encouragement and was introduced at their next meeting, where he spoke most feelingly and eloquently about Wells and his poverty in Bibles, bringing forward the story which forms the subject of our little book and which gave point and pathos to his appeal on behalf of his countrymen. Nor was the appeal without effect. A thrill of sympathy with a people that so longed and thirsted for the word of God ran through the assembled meeting. An earnest desire took possession of Mr. Charles' hearers to do something towards supplying the great need which he so touchingly advocated, and the hearts of many were further stirred and their sympathies quickened when one of the secretaries of the committee, the Reverend Joseph Hoofs, rose and in reply to Mr. Charles' appeal for Bibles for Wells exclaimed enthusiastically, Mr. Charles, surely a society might be formed for the purpose, and if for Wells, why not for the world? This noble Christian sentiment found an echo in the hearts of many among the audience, and the secretary was instructed to prepare a letter inviting Christians everywhere and of all denominations to unite in forming a society having for its object the diffusion of God's world over the whole earth. Two years passed in making known the purpose of the committee and in necessary preliminaries, but in the month of March 1804 the British and Foreign Bible Society was actually established, and at its first meeting the sum of £700 was subscribed. Unfortunately, Mr. Charles was unable to be present at this meeting. He was hard at work at home in Wells, but he heard the news with the greatest joy, and it was owing to his ex and to those of his friends, as well as to the efforts of other Christian workers who deeply felt the great need of the people at this time, that the contributions in Wells amounted to nearly 
1,900 pounds, most of this sum consisting of the subscriptions and donations of the lower and poorer classes. In the foundation of the Bible Society, all denominations met and were brought thus into sympathy by a common cause and an earnest wish to serve one common master. Hence we see representatives of all Christian churches working together for the good and enlightenment of the world. Meanwhile, wherever Mr. Charles was at work, wherever his influence extended, there was awakened to the longing, and thence arose the petition for the word of life, and what it, wherever he told the story, either on Welsh or English platforms, of the little maiden of Lanfihangel, the simple narrative never failed to carry home some lessons to the heart of each hearer. Great was the joy and thankfulness of this single-minded and hard-working minister of Christ, where he learnt that the first resolution of the Committee of the Bible Society was to bring out an edition of the Welsh Bible for the use of Welsh Sunday schools, and his delight was greater still when the first consignment of these Bibles reached Bela in 1806. Among the most useful workers in the early years of the Bible Society was the Reverend John Owen, who soon became one of its secretaries and proved a most earnest and able promoter of the glorious enterprise. Associated also with this time of the great society's childhood are the honor names of Stackenkoff and Wilberforce and of Josiah Pratt, while in Wells among its earliest supporters were Dr. Warren, Bishop of Bangor, and Dr. Burgess, Bishop of St. David's, who united cordially with Mr. Charles and others in the good work. As to Mr. Charles himself, he evinced the deepest interest in the new spheres of labor and the usefulness opening in all directions. An interest which showed itself in many practical ways up to the time of his death. But in following the operations of the Bible Society, we must not forget our friend Mary Jones, who during this time had passed from early girlhood to womanhood. On leaving school, she worked as a weaver, and we conclude that she was still living with her parents. Of one thing we may be sure, that her precious Bible was as dear to her as ever, and that she was intensely interested in the founding of the Bible Society and in the news of the first edition of Welsh Bibles having been received at Bela. But in addition to her weaving and the household help she gave her mother, who was not so well or strong as formerly, Mary had developed a talent for dressmaking, which stood her in good stead when she wished to earn a little extra money. All who could afford it came to her to cut out and make their dresses, and though Mary never wasted a moment, she sometimes found it quite difficult to do during the day all that she had planned. As for Jacob, he was more and more a martyr to asthma, and when the winter winds and fogs came, his sufferings were very great, though they never exceeded the quiet patience and fortitude with which he bore his affliction, bore it, as he said, for the dear Lord's sake, who had borne so much for him. Occasionally, Mr. Charles would visit Abernogwen, and every now and then Lanfihangel, and at such times he and Mary Jones met again, and she would learn from him how the society in London was going on. That great London, which was a strange, distant, untried world to her, such vague ideas had she of its size and its distance from the little, quiet, secluded place where she lived. And so up in London the great tree of life went on spreading and growing, while the root from which it had sprung remained in wells unperceived almost beneath the soil. And thus we see in this life that God had 
need of the high and the lowly, the great and the small, the gold and the baser metal. And out of all and through all and in all, he works out his wondrous way and permits his creatures to join as it were with him in the turning of the world from darkness to his marvelous light.